Come on. Welcome to Lifeblood. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to our monthly book club, and welcome our author, the strong and powerful Brant Cooper. Brant, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you on. Brant is New York Times bestselling author of The Lean Entrepreneur. He is the CEO of Move the Needle. His newest book is Disruption Proof, Empower People, Create Value, and Drive Change. Brant, I'm excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Yeah, thanks, George. So uh, I lived through the dot-com boom and bust up in the San Francisco Bay Area. So uh, sort of changed careers uh, relatively early, but um, getting out of uh, being the IT guy at consulting firms and and really not being a very good employee is sort of how I described myself (laughs) back then. Uh, tossed around from manager to manager like a hot potato, uh, mostly because I, you know, I wanted to do things my way. I think I felt like I knew how to do them better, and management practices were pretty much do what I say. <laughs> and, uh, so when I joined the first startup, that was really when I got that first understanding that there was there was a different way of doing things. And of course, in a startup. Uh, everybody's wearing multiple hats and you don't really have managers that are managing your task. They're really trying to get you to go independently, figure stuff out and move the business forward. And so every day that's what it's supposed to be about is can you move the business forward? And, uh, and so suddenly maybe I became a better employee because (laughs) I had found a better fit. Um, so that was great. And, you know, worked in several different startups, tried a couple on my own, not great results. But, uh, you know, ultimately I lived through an IPO and uh, acquisition and rapid growth that then tailed off and didn't go anywhere. And then and of course, yeah, the the failures as well. Um, But so out of that, there was a bunch of people that were kind of saying, hey, you know, why are we building startups to look like big businesses? And so like those of us that were in startups, we can kind of see that that's not, you know, I could differentiate already in my career between between sort of that hierarchical command and control, do what you're told and drive whatever impact you can drive. Right. And so why would we try to turn the latter into the former? And so I ended up writing a a book that discussed uh, lean startup principles and customer development. And so understanding your customers deeply and. And there was sort of this movement that got going around, uh, you know, letting the market tell you what is the right thing to build and how to market and sell. And so it it forced you to go out and and interact with your market. You couldn't just, you know, hide behind your keyboard or your conference room table or whatever. And so then I wrote The Lean Entrepreneur. I was fortunate that that hit the list. And that was a deep dive in how to run experiments and get to know your customers and what data to focus on. And uh, so then formed moves the needle for the last eight years now i guess ironically i've been teaching those entrepreneurial skills those startup skills to large enterprises now clearly large enterprises don't need it to the same degree they've figured out a bunch of stuff and so they have to execute but when they want to do new stuff then that's uncertainty they have to be entrepreneurial so that the last couple years though and really, you know, I laugh, but it's 
you know, the pandemic is actually, you know, a tragedy to very to a lot of people, billions of people. But the pandemic really drove home this belief to in me that uh, actually uncertainty is built into our economy now. Uncertainty is built into the system. Uh, we moved from this industrial age to the digital age, increased complexity, interconnectedness, the, you know, mass, the speed of information, the speed of disinformation. Uh, the pandemic is but one disruption, I think, that is just going to continue to roll through the economy and roll through our businesses. And so suddenly in businesses, we face massive amounts of uncertainty. And so we can't just say, OK, well, that's your job over there to deal with uncertainty. It's everybody's job. And that requires everybody to learn the entrepreneurial mindset to a certain degree. And that requires changes in leadership and management and maybe even structure of the business. And so that's what the new book is about is it's it's you know sort of a clarion call to middle management as well as senior executives that you, we need to fundamentally restructure and manage our companies differently so that they can survive in the face of what I think are now just going to be endless disruptions that ripple ripple through our lives so it's coming whether or not we choose to uh we choose to prepare ourselves or respond that's 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 up to us well so the the part of it is the digital age itself so the the consumers have so much power carrying around computers in their pockets and choices and options and and so the the way I try to get people to think about it is is the famous Henry Ford quote that maybe he didn't really say, I don't know, but uh, uh, you can have a Model T in any color you want as long as it's black, right? <laughs> and so he creates an assembly line that is perfectly optimized to produce one type of vehicle, no options, no different colors, and he optimizes that assembly line and actually creates functions inside of the inside of the business departments that are just an extension of the assembly line and the whole key is is how much output can i get for how much input i put in uh, the resources and the time and the labor and all that because you have to hold the price down in order for the middle class to be able to afford the car and if the middle class can afford the car they'll buy it so there's maybe some technical risk there's some operational risk but there's very little market risk and if you think of other businesses in that era, if you make a microwave oven or a refrigerator, it's so life changing that if you can make it affordable, the middle class is just going to post World War II, especially is just going to buy that up. Right. So it's not there aren't many choices. If you're the, the housewife in the 50s, you don't get to say, well, no, actually, I want my microwave to go to 11, please. I mean, you just <laughs> you take you take what you can get. Right. But if you fast forward to today, it's exactly the opposite. It's like multiple companies, globalization, right? So competition is all over the place. The number of models is mind boggling, the different options you can get. And really that gives power to the consumer to be able to choose from one vendor to another. So all of that means that in our core business, just from a business and a market perspective, there's massive amounts of uncertainty. We have to understand what the whims of our customers are in order to respond. We can't just make that up in the boardroom anymore. We have to be out there on the edge, understanding our customers, our need, their needs, their problems, their aspirations, what drives them, how to reach them, how to sell to them. That's where the answers are, are, are outside the door. They're out in the edge of the, the and so that, 
that just creates a lot of uncertainty internally. And so we can't have this command and control top-down decision-making. You actually have to distribute decision-making out to the edge. Let the people that run into the problems figure out how to solve them. We hire smart people. That's what smart people do is you empower them to solve problems and they'll go solve the problems. I love it. So when somebody picks up the book, what 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 can they expect and what are you hoping that 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 they take away from it? Yeah, well so you know, I think that from for, for business owners or for senior executives in large businesses, I think that they kind of already get it at some level, right? Uh, there's fundamental change. We just can't seem to get the engine going again. Uh, you know, we're hoping the pandemic is over, but look, there was a ship caught in a canal and it blocked global supply chains. So, I mean, there's just, who knows what's coming next, right? right? And so we need to be able to respond. And so I think that what I try to do is give them then a phased approach where they can just get going uh, by you know changing the mindset and changing the behavior inside the company. And I guess the optimistic part of this is that in my opinion, most of these companies already have the people inside there that know how to operate this way. And they are, they're, they're chomping at the bit because it's a fun way to work, right? You get to work in a team atmosphere, you're collaborating, you're getting, getting to use your creativity and your intelligence to solve problems. That's just what everybody wants to be able to do. That makes them more engaged and happier employees. And, and all of the studies show that that means that they're more productive. And so a lot of the it, the inertia is that we try to do all of these type of changes top down, like tell, why can't you just be more agile? Go be customer centric. But you really actually have to teach the behavior, practice the behavior, develop new leadership skills and practice those skills. And then that, that's actually how the change starts to happen. And so I think that what I'm really hoping is that for the senior people, this is the catalyst to to do change the right way for for everyone else, for the for people that are on the sort of the ground level. It's the behaviors that they need in order to advance their career and ways that they can get their leaders on board and really how they can start working that way without seeking permission first. Um, and so it's really attempts to be, you know, sort of a, a, an empowering message to employees that they can actually help drive this change that benefits the company, benefits them as individuals. They're more they're happier at work. And ultimately, ultimately, what I hope is that businesses learn to compete on creating value for for their customers again. And we've sort of lost that. We you know, we kind of the end of the industrial age, we are so much in execution mode where we're trying to push that product down regardless of whether the customer wants it or not. We, we need to flip it back to like, okay, what is the, what does the world need and how can I, how can I grow a business and grow wealth? That's fine, but do it in service to creating value in the world. I love it. And that definitely makes sense. Uh, certainly from the employee standpoint, what, what can I do to within the organization that I'm a part of that I like, but what can I do to do more of the work that I really want to do to help propel this great organization forward? And 
I was thinking, oh my goodness, if I'm you know in the C-suite or the owner of a big company, how on earth am I going to even get started? But taking it from a phased approach, say, okay, I can get started just just right here. I don't need to get all this done in the in in the first quarter of of of, of this year, but it is digestible. Right. Well, and also the way I designed the first phase is to is to empower those employees. So choosing challenges that the business can work on that will drive near-term impact. So it's not innovation that we're going to see five or six, seven years down the road, but these are real issues that are, are that the business is facing and, uh, and often they're often their leadership challenges, like what keeps them up at night. And, and you then are finding the people inside your organization that already understand how to work this way, uh, people that are entrepreneurial or design thinkers, human-centered design, people that have worked in agile ways or lean startup ways, and they could become coaches or team leads, and you empower these teams to go solve those near-impact problems. And the leaders go like, oh my, you know, goodness, we actually do have the capability here. It gives them them hope and understanding. They can then see how it's going to happen. And I think that part of the challenge of all of the planning and the strategy is that it's just seems so big, right? It's that this is a change that's going to take forever. I need to bring in one of those big consultants. And again, it ends up being this top down. Whereas really how you kickstart this change is just empower those people that want to work that way. And they can demonstrate that they have that ability and that you can actually solve problems and that you can even increase efficiency and productivity in those words that businesses absolutely love. And and I think that that's really how you start creating that momentum then is that you can see that you've got the ability to do it and you can see the results. I love it. Nice. How, how, how long did it take you to actually think about the book and then to produce it into the world? <laughs> yeah, well, so, uh, you know, working with these large businesses for the last eight years, I really, I started probably two and a half, three years ago, imagining the book and probably wrote the table of contents two and a half, three years ago. Um, and then I just, you know, was working on the contract and all the rest. <laughs> and then the pandemic hit, right? I was not planning on writing this, a pandemic book. Hmm. Um, but really I didn't get to writing it for real until uh, August of last year. So I guess the supposedly there's a lot of books coming out about around now because uh, the pandemic was a good time to write a book. Um, but so, uh, you know, there was, I have a, a, a writing style that's maybe different than some of your, your other listeners we can get into. But so there were parts of it that just were, it was just a stream of consciousness, right? You know, it's just like, get all of this out uh, based upon, you know, the fundamental things that I had learned over almost a decade of working this way with large enterprises. But at the same time, there was this whole pandemic thing lurking. And, uh, and what was interesting is that that really was, it, it ended up driving home the fact that, so, so the innovation industry sells to big corporations that 95% of your company should be in execution mode and you have this teeny little percentage over here that's in exploration mode and they're doing innovation that's gonna be years down the road. But what I, I, I couldn't get out of my mind is, is that should businesses be, be executing during the pandemic? And I would hear that, like in March 2020, leaders were like, oh, we just gotta buckle down. 
And I'm all like, but what do you know? What do you know anymore? Your 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 customers aren't spending money anymore. Your consumers don't have money. Your your small businesses are holding on to whatever budget they have. Your core business model doesn't work during the pandemic for a vast number of companies. And so this idea that you could only do that exploration work in 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 the innovation department goes away, right? You actually need that skill to relearn your market in the very core business. And so the, the book took a little bit of a turn there and I found, uh, based upon some organizations that I worked with, some amazing case studies of companies that had adopted some of the, what I had taught from the lean entrepreneurs four, five, six years ago and their reaction to the pandemic and their ability to spin up fundamental change in the way they were doing things within weeks of things starting to close down was absolutely extraordinary and sort of it's it's a it's kind of a unique situation to be able to look at the history look at and pause it this is the way you you can you know create a more resilient and aware and dynamic company and then the pandemic comes and some of those organizations that you worked with apply those principles and it actually has the outcome that you desired so that's like amazing mind-blowing <laughs> and of course it's not me it's actually the people in charge that are doing it they are the ones that are empowering they're teaching their people they're leading that effort into being able to respond to something that is fundamentally uh, uh disruptive as as the pandemic was unlocking the potential of the people that are already there that's right that's right I love it. That's right. And and people then thinking, I mean, especially in this situation, like, I mean, people talk about, you know, sort of evil corporations and all of this monkey business, but the vast majority of people inside these companies are good people. They want to live meaningful lives. They want to contribute to society. And so here was this opportunity in some of these organizations where they were actually able to change their companies and the companies are changing in ways that are providing value in the world and that actually feels good to people people were so proud of the work that they had done and that makes them you know not only more content but more loyal and just and and feel like that they you know that they're accomplishing something which is really super powerful yeah i couldn't agree more giving people purpose and helping them to to feel like they're doing important work is we we spend a lot of time doing the whole work thing brant so <laughs> I'm sure. Well, and the thing is, is that it creates a virtuous cycle because mm -hmm. I think that I think that once somebody has experienced that, then they realize that's something that they also want to pass on to other people. Right. And so the we've seen a lot of the vicious cycle where, you know, uh, where where things can kind of spiral in a negative way, things can spiral in a positive way, too. And and, and I think it's really by giving people, you know, powerful experiences like that, and then they 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 want to go and and pass it on. Love it. Well, Brent, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can people engage with you? Where can they get a copy of the book? Yeah, so uh, I'm Brant Cooper on all social media. Uh, Brant at BrantCooper.com is my email address, and I encourage people to reach out. I respond, and uh, you know, the book is a fail is available for pre order now. Uh, at all your favorite retailers uh, online as well as you know the the brick and mortar um i do have some special bundles available at brantcooper.com if people want to check those out if uh 
if people maybe want me to come speak or something like that and do a private event, I'm happy to do so. And uh, yeah, so again, I feel people should feel free to reach out to me. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Brent your appreciation and share today's show with a friend that also appreciates good ideas. Pick up a copy of Disruption Proof, Empower People, Create Value, and Drive Change wherever you buy your books. Go to BrantCooper.com, B-R-A-N-T-C-O-O-P-E-R.com, and check out all the great resources. Um, talk with Brant about having him come and speak and do an event. Shoot him an email at Brant at BrantCooper.com. Thanks again, Brant. Thank you, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.